Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, you guys, Embark for Breeders is celebrating DNA week all month. Visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK to enjoy $20 off each Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit. Pair Predictor is the newest feature in a suite of breeder tools available with the My Embark for Breeders online experience. Just pick a sire and dam from your account and view the predictions for producing clear, carrier, or at-risk dogs for specific genetic health conditions. The Embark for Breeders Dog DNA Kit tests for 210 genetic health conditions, highlights breed-specific results, includes 35 traits, such as coat color and body size, and is the only DNA test to use a COI percentage score. Your test results also come with a downloadable OFA submission report. Find out why responsible breeders trust Embark to enhance their breeding program. Right now, you can save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit. Just visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK to take $20 off each Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I'm excited, you guys. We haven't had a Love the Breeds episode in ages, and listener request for Norbutton Spet, and Gabby Vanini is here. Gabby has joined us in the past to talk about Rally that she does with some of her Norbutton Spet. I'm practicing my pronunciation. <laughs> How you doing, Gabby? Pretty good. Yeah. It's one of those pronunciation wise. If you overdo it, it's like, I think you just make it worse. You're losing it. (laughs) But they've got a Finnish name that I can't even begin to try. So, so the Swedish is better than that. Right. (laughs) right, But you know, Norbert and Spets is, is good compared to what that is. So, but we just, we call them knobs. Knobs. Okay. So I get to call them knobs. I have permission. This is good. (laughs) So I'm very excited. I know you're a Pure Dog Talk listener, so you know the drill. So you're going to give us a little bit of history about this breed. And they are currently accepted in the miscellaneous category, correct? With the American Kennel Club. We're in the little limbo middle area right there. (laughs) Right. That's right. It's okay. It's all good. Takes a minute. And you are working towards joining eventually the hound group. So tell us all about these little guys, how you decided that this is the breed for you and all the good stuff. Yeah. So they'll be in the hound group. They're a hound spits. So they don't look like every other dog in the hound group necessarily. And in Europe, they are in the primitive spits group. So okay, don't have that. So the group placement is kind of one of those. There's not anywhere they fit in beautifully, but hound was decided to be kind of the best fit for what we wanted to get into. And 
people say, well, how are they a hound? And I'll say, well, same way an elk hound is a hound. Right. Yeah, we've got spits in the hound group, so it's not like they'll be the only one. So what was their job in Sweden? So they're tree barking hunting dogs. So they're going to be kind of like a coon hound as far as barking things up the trees and then letting you shoot it. So, you know, they're bred to range pretty far and back before we had GPS collars and fancy things Mm -hmm. were kind of your GPS in the woods because they would go hunting on their own and find something for you and then bark their full heads off until you found them. I love that. Your GPS in the woods. That is pretty awesome. (laughs) And they still are used for hunting, especially in Europe today. There's a little more gray area as far as what's legal to do with them. But some people do squirrels with them, turkeys, I've heard, and that sort of thing, you know, in appropriate seasons. There are some people up in Canada that are in the more remote areas that do a lot of hunting with them. And in Europe, like large grouse, so like black grouse in Europe are kind of their big thing. So semi-flightless birds that they can go up a tree, but they're not necessarily going to be flying away. Fly away. Right, right, right. Okay. So similar to, for people who are familiar with breeds that are already in the AKC classifications, it sounds, it reminds me in description of the Finnish spits. Yes. So there's a reason for that because they actually were kind of the same thing a long time ago and split over color. So the Finkies are going to be your solid red dogs. I don't think I've ever even seen a mismark now that I can think of it, but I got to imagine it exists somewhere. But in general, yeah, the solid dogs were what they started selecting for when the Finnish Hound became a thing. And so then the Norbertons just kind of dwindled away and so they actually got really close to being extinct before there was kind of a project made to go out and find some of them and when was that how long ago was that i should know this off the top of my head i want to say the 60s (laughs) but it's been a while yeah but you know in the grand scheme of things not like a huge amount of time ago compared to their existence as a breed so even though we will at some point be a new breed were not a new breed right so that's i know something that was kind of going around this year with the new breed acceptance mm-hmm. are they just mixes of other breeds and now they've actually probably been around a lot longer than than your australian shepherd yes <laughs> they've been in miscellaneous for about 10 years now so we've been kind of skirting that line for a while and they're not super super common anywhere but i mean you're definitely gonna see a reasonable amount in like sweden and finland but outside of that they're gonna be pretty uncommon pretty uncommon how many do you think you have here in the states so far about 250 at least that are akc so you still got a few like don't you need 300 or something like that (laughs) need 300 so i think there are between 250 and 300 i know there are a handful that you know are pets that are just not registered yet. So we really emphasize with breeders to get everybody registered and start keeping track of everything now while we have a very handleable number. Right. Yeah, before stuff starts to explode. So, you know, with that kind of a number, we do try to keep things pretty close with European dogs and still importing dogs from there and trying to get the gene pool open so it's Mm -hmm. not just 
a little North American line bread situation over here. You right, know? right. And so talk to us about if someone wants to help preserve the Norbutton Spet, what are they like to live with? You know, if you're a person who likes a spitzy kind of dog and likes this kind of thing and wants to add a new something, what are they like? Talk to us about them. They are really, really nice dogs and honestly, a really well-kept secret, but I don't know if it's even purposeful. And honestly, I think a little bit of it is the barking stuff because I have Icelandic sheepdogs too, and they bark a whole lot. But I remember talking to, she's a co-bred my most recent litter now, and we both have Icelandic sheepdogs and kind of got into this together. But years ago, I remember talking to her about the Norbans and her mentioning the 120 barks a minute or whatever. And I'm like, oh man, I have ices and I don't even want to deal with that. But they're not barkers as a you know way of life. Like the ices are like a lot of herding dogs that they're a little reactive and that they're you know reacting to things happening around them. Mm-hmm. They're not just barking when they're hurting. They're barking about kind of everything. And they've got a little bit of that watchdog thing going in them where the Norbuttons are really like, if they're hunting, they're barking. And other than that, they're really not obnoxious or reactive barkers. They do talk a bit, which I think is adorable. So they'll do like the thing. Right. Like a lot of slight honey types. And so, yeah, I have a friend who has Salukis who has spent a good amount of time with them and there's been kind of a, okay, are they a sight? What do they really count as a sight hound or not? And all these little mannerisms that mine have, she'll be like, oh, you are a sight hound after all. <laughs> so have that like spitzy hound thing going on as far as their level of independence. So they do have a mind of their own and they are very smart as far as figuring out problems and solutions to such problems. <laughs> And really confident as far as getting to critters and stuff, but really nice pet dogs. They're really amiable and friendly with everybody. I think while people do like to use them for hunting and we want to preserve that, I think they inadvertently, you know, just bred in a really nice temperament with that Mm -hmm. because dogs that they wanted hanging out with them while or in between their hunting are nice little temperament dogs. So their size, they're going to be in kind of the 16 to 18 inch range, like 20 to 30 pounds. Oh, wow. So closer to like Sheba size than elk hound size. Yes. Oh, yes. So really like a finish that size wise. Okay. They're very similar to Icy's in size, but like just built a little differently, Mm -hmm. but technically in that same height range. But yeah, so they're nice little kind of go anywhere dogs. And we've got a lot of dogs in and out. And that's been one of my big things is having dogs that are very tolerant of that Mm -hmm. and they're just really good with other dogs and really sweet with people they're not like over exuberantly friendly some of them are more on the end of aloof but they're Mm -hmm. just agreeable with everyone they're beautiful with kids they love people in general right prey drive you know like small furries like if they're bred to chase squirrels up a tree how are they with the family cat sort of thing So little, little things for sure. And like birds, especially, they're going to be a little reactive too. But we have rats and have not had a problem with that. They kind of learned, okay, these are the not eating rats. The pet rats. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to let them loose running around a room with them, but they don't fixate 
you know, the youngest who came in while well, they already existed doesn't even care mm-hmm. that the old did have a few days of sitting outside of the rat room. <laughs> like, hmm, she got over it. And we do have a cat. The cat is a little weird as cats go <laughs> in that he thinks he's a dog and he acts like a dog. So I have a lot of dog, Most dog people's cats are like that. So that's yeah. cool. <laughs> They may chase a feral cat, but they don't have that like terrier catching mm-hmm. drive mm-hmm. heavily bred in because they're not really going and killing stuff. They can right. do that, but they definitely, and I think that kind of leaks into their whole like spitzy hound thing where they're like, eh, and yeah, that's your job. Like, I'm not going to bother to pick it up and bring it to you. Like, you've got it now. So I found it. I treat it. Now it's up to you, dude. Yeah. I had just posted a video of my girl going off and treeing a squirrel the other day. And mm-hmm. one of my carrier friends was like, oh, I appreciate it. she only barks when she's got it in motion or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, she'll bark until you get there. And then she'll stand and stare at it for a minute. But then if it would like jump from another tree, she'd bark until it stopped again. Okay. Freeze and wait for it. And it's like, yeah, she's once you're there. And she's like, cool, my job is done. <laughs> but yeah, so they really are manageable. Like I said, I wouldn't expect to have a rabbit running loose in my house with one. Right. But not like having a Jack Russell or something that might fix a wire hair pointer that's definitely going to take out your rats, your cats and all the rest of it. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk just sort of maintenance, grooming. It's going to be a double coated breed, Mm -hmm. typical drops the coat every six months kind of thing. Yeah. And they do well coat, but it's a nice shorter double coat. So like boo hunt ish. And I mean, I guess, but you know, not like a husky. I mean, your mileage will vary and we do almost certainly have some variations of coat genes in there, even within the short coat, because we've got uh, lesser dogs, more tightly coated dogs and a range of things that technically are both short, but there's got to be some modifiers in there. But yeah, it's not anything that's long enough to mat. Generally, I don't think even in that hoarding case, that we had with them that we had any dogs that were matted. Wow. So you're going to get some of that like little shed poofs, you know, when mm-hmm. they're both mm-hmm. little hair puffs you can pull out. I don't really brush them routinely much at all. I mean, when they're not shedding. So, you know, if they're blowing their coat, you can get a good blowout. Bath coat. and blow dry and you're done. Yeah. And when they're not, I mean, we're actually explicitly not supposed to like blow dry them for shows. Oh, nice. That holds out, but they shouldn't be like back brushed and fluffed up. The coat should be a tight, natural, easy coat. And that's something that's really nice about them and easy to live with is that, yeah, you can go out in the woods and they're not going to get a bunch of burrs on them. Even compared to my ices have really nice coats, mm-hmm. but get burrs once in a while and sticky things. And the Norbones basically never get burrs and they're white and the dirt still. I'll even have times when I'm like, well, maybe I actually do need to give you a bath today. Right. And the time we get home, I'm like, well, actually, you smell good and you look white. So I guess I'm not going to bathe you. So it's very nice. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion cares passionately about pets and makes sure their policy has what it takes to serve you and your furry companions. In fact, they are the first pet insurance provider to cover certain health conditions associated with breeding animals through their specialized breeding rider. 
their industry-leading coverage does not stop there. Trupanion's free breeder support program also allows you to send your litters home protected with an offer for a Trupanion policy. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. So you were talking earlier about them being sort of the party color split off from the finished spits, right? So are they red and white, like the red of a finished spits to go with the white? Yes. Yes, but they can be different colors. So you're going to have nice orangey red and that's going to be what you'll see most commonly for sure, but they can get to like wheat and cream lightness. That's why I was asking because I've seen a couple that I thought when we met in Orlando the very first time, I thought I saw some that were that more yellowy red almost. Yeah. And you can get some down right close to looking all white if you didn't look close because they're that light colored. Okay. And then we actually do have black tri in the breed. Not super out there, but there are a few and it's recessive. So it pops up here. And so it does exist and those are allowed as well. It's just not something you're going to see as much. I don't think, well, we have one in the U.S. as far as I know. (laughs) But I know most of them. Right. Well, that's when you have only 250, we can kind of keep good track of them. (laughs) Okay, good. So easy maintenance, easy coat, not as loud as you think they're going to (laughs) be. Talk to us about health and longevity. How are they that way? I mean, I have a 10-year-old who you would think is two. And then like her grandma is like 18 right now and still. 18 years old? Oh, my. So in the high teens is not unusual at all. And like her relatives, I think she's got a 16 year old as well. So she's got like the old folks home of dogs. That's my oldest girl's breeder right now. But I've heard of a lot of them living well into their teens. So I'd say probably 13 to 15 is going to be average. But yeah, I mean, you would never know my oldest is even kind of old. She's super active and keeps up with everybody. Wow. Like a double digit Norbertin's not an old dog. So that's nice for sure. Really, as far as health problems, that's like going to be a risk is epilepsy is the big problematic and difficult to track one. So mm-hmm. we've got like an epilepsy database in Finland where they can kind of calculate the risk to some extent based on the pedigree. So we really do try to be upfront with that and like, okay, who's having seizures? So we see where it is and keeping the COI as low as possible is a big Mm -hmm. part of helping with that as well as breeding a little older. So, you know, if you've got a three to five-year-old dog that's gone without having seizures, you're going to feel a little better about that. Well, and if you have a breed that lives to be 18 years old, breeding them at five isn't a big deal. Yeah. And no, they're going to be just fine, you know, a slightly older age. So it's nice to make sure with that, but it's not like it's something that's in every five dogs or something. Okay. We've got to have 20 litters and I think we're at like 16 or 17 right now. And I know maybe like two of them that have dogs with seizures. Okay. So it's something that's out there, but it's certainly not endemic. And it sounds like the breeding community is really paying attention to it, which is important. So then we test for eyes and patellas 
but as far as eyes go, it's not like we have like a thing like that. It's just right. your generic juvenile cataracts or whatever that could show up and just making sure everything's normal. And patellas, you don't even know a dog with patella issues, but you know, with their size. It's like you got to test for something. <laughs> so it's not a requirement at this point, but a lot of the breeders I know right now have been doing hips. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on things. Mm-hmm like 15 month old done in Orlando and they were prelim excellent, which is hard to get. So they're still doing pretty good, but it's nice to, you know, right. Keep an eye on it. Especially like I said, well, we have a smaller gene pool. Right. Best to make sure you know what you're working with. Okay. So like I said, someone that wants to have a little something different, want to get involved in again, trying to preserve something. I think that this is a fascinating, fascinating breed Talk to us about, real quickly, sort of our wind-up trainability. I know you talked about rally. I know that you do a lot of sports. Talk to us about their trainability versus, for example, the ICs or any of the other breeds that you're aware of and around. Yeah, they're definitely hounds, but they're not like, you know, I'm trying to run away every time I get outside. Right. And they can be trained off-leash. I mean, part of their hunt test stuff is that they should check back in with you while they're ranging out every once in a while. If they're not finding something, they should be popping back in to see what you're doing. But they definitely have a way lower tolerance for repetition than a herding dog or your typical like, oh, I want to do a bunch of active things kind of dog. Right. But like my youngest, especially she's, we say all the time, you would never know she's 15 months old. Because she's super mature and trustworthy in the house, doesn't get into trouble, that sort of thing. So I always kind of forget that she's not super trained. She just kind of is like, oh, I'll just be a good dog. Just kind of cool. I took her out and was doing some like just fitnessy type stuff with the ICs earlier, you know, and they're all doing individual paw lifts and Mm -hmm. position changes and standing on different objects and whatever and offering all these things and So I was like, oh, I should do this with you. And it took her like 20 minutes to step up on the fit bone type thing. And not that she's scared, because if it was by itself, you know, in hard, she'd just be like. If you weren't asking her to do it, then it would be cool. You got to kind of convince me that this is a good idea. But there is a mock Norboten, and I have agility titles on my oldest and Rowley. So they can do stuff, but it's not like. Their life is one. What about to- barn hunt? I would think that would be something they'd be big about. Yes. And we've got quite a few that have the highest, like the ratch and barn hunt. So they do like barn hunt. I know some that don't. My oldest, for instance, I never got a rat out of this game. <laughs> she thought it was real cool for a few rounds. And then she's like, no, this is the game where they stay in the tube. So this is like Charlie Brown and the football. No. Yeah. <laughs> So, but some of them can get excited about it and you could work with her more, but you know, they've got that level of intelligence. And so they actually can do competitive lore coursing as well. Mm-hmm. But yes, they're happy to do stuff with you. And they're, they're like a casual level of competing in some things are pretty good with that. But they're not like, I mean, the ice is, I have to do stuff with them or they're going to come up with things or be offering things or just be obnoxious or loud right. or I mean, they really like it, whereas the Nervones, it's not that they don't like it, but they kind of prove why it's worth their time <laughs> to some extent. 
That's fabulous. All right. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for sharing about this very, very cool little breed. You're going to send me a whole bunch of pictures so that people can see them. (laughs) And I am very grateful for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's nice to talk about. And, you know, people can check out the website. Yep. We'll put links. We're in that miscellaneous area where we do need breed club member numbers. So we've got a $10 membership right now where, you know, I try not. It's not a buy to get one free. I promise. (laughs) I'm trying not to blow up anybody's email or anything, but I'll do a couple newsletters and try to get some information if people are interested about it. And we do try to get out. We'll try to be at some of the meet the breeds this year. We signed up for several last year and that didn't happen. So we do try to get out and have people meet them if they're interested and y'all can reach out. We've got, a decent spread across the country as far as dogs areas of the country that they are around okay cool awesome thank you so much gabby i really appreciate your time you have a great day yeah you do all right you guys i'm super excited okay kennel management as we all know can be overwhelming breeder cloud pro they got you This exciting new web-based kennel management software was developed by breeders who are also professional software engineers. Nice. Number one on everybody's wish list is an app to create pedigrees. Ask and you shall receive. Search Breeder Cloud Pro's shared pedigree database or build your own pedigrees. Building and maintaining an affordable, accessible website for education about your breed and your breeding program is another challenge that we all face. The eKennel solution at Breer Cloud Pro enables you to create your own website and easily link your dogs and litter gallery from the app to promote your kennel. And no more muss and fuss when the puppies are ready to head out to their new homes. Invite your puppy buyers to the pet portal where they can sign contracts, pay invoices, share pictures, yes, see their puppy's health records, and easily register their puppy with AKC Reunite. This software solution lets you manage everything from your litter's worming and vaccination dates to income and expense reports. And, P.S., burn your exploding file cabinet. That's right. Unlimited storage for photos, records, and contact information. The 21st century is calling, and Breeder Cloud Pro answered. Keep all of your data at your fingertips on your desktop, phone, or tablet. Breeder Cloud Pro was built with complete portability and easy access across different platforms. And customer support? That's a real thing from people who get it. Stop by my partner page and click the Breeder Cloud Pro link to learn more. Use the code PureDogTalk at sign up to receive a 30-day free trial. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you. To make sense out of everyday things. To add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box. To bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. 
Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.